Welcome back to Shooting the Ish with a Brit. I'm Jen. Uh, and I'm David. Hey, Jen. Hey, how are you? I'm good. It looks like you have a guest with you today. Yes, he's with both of us. I mean, he's physically with <laughs> me, but he is yeah. a guest of both of ours for this episode of The White Lotus Season 2, Episode 4. And that guest is my husband, Mr. Ishmael Brown. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here with both of you. I am a huge fan of shooting the Ish, and Ish is a part of my first name. So I like to say this is dedicated to me, you know. Oh my God. Here we go. Hey, I, I like the way you think. Welcome, Ishmael. Lovely to have you. Very excited to get into the conversation. And, and when we can even, why, why don't we just jump into it? Do you want to get us started today on the White Lotus season or oh, episode four? Did we, are we on episode four now? Yeah, already. Right. Episode wow. four. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? Let me piggyback off of what my husband just said because I it literally just landed. Shooting the ish, yeah. Shoot, no, shooting ish with ish. There we go. This episode. (laughs) There we go. Okay. So yeah, White Lotus season two, episode four. I forget the uh, name of this episode. Um, but where do I want to start? I don't know. Or do you want to start, Boo? Yeah, I don't want to start. So. I would say this episode is really the turning point in the season as it pertains to, you know, the interactions between the different characters, like the storylines are starting to bleed over at this stage. And we're going to really start seeing um, if pressure makes diamonds or not. (laughs) Um, I think about specifically with the storyline of Dominic and that, which is probably my favorite storyline. Dominic is attempting to move past some of these sexual demons that are whooping his ass in tandem with kind of saving his family to the point where he's run out of all particular outlets that he can particularly explore and, you know, getting his wife back, getting his family back as a unit. And in this episode, we see him kind of lean on Albie a little bit to say, hey, you know, well, I got this nice gift. How do you feel about, you know, saying something to your mom? So it's like we're seeing a man operate out of desperation. And again, those sexual demons are continuously just whooping on him. And we're seeing the progression of that. Desperation is the word I'm going to pull out of all of that um, because I love it. And it's if we think back to to season one, um, you know, the the manager who died in the end, he was just a desperate guy in the end. And he was kind of like building and building and, Dom, as I think we said from the beginning, he kind of feels like that's going to be his trajectory. Um, and uh, I especially like the uh, all of that built into, as you kind of also said, Ishmael, kind of everything, the, the melting pot coming together, all these characters now having built up their own storylines are suddenly all mixing in. It's like a just, just a free-for-all uh, and, and making it as chaotic and, and uh, much like a spiderweb as possible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm wondering, yeah. like, as a woman, like, are these sexual demons really that hard for men to get over? I mean, it's it's David. same as anything, same as anything else. It's it's the individual, right? <laughs> the individual. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, I think that was an excellent response, David, and I'm glad you answered first. But um, I'll say this too: it's just like you, you just never know, you know, what people are struggling with, and also. You're, you saw an episode two, I believe, where 
he was attempting to kind of remove himself from the triggers or anything that would, you know, kind of cause him to go back down that path. But like you and I sat and watched the episode and we laughed about it. I was like, hey, the devil knows exactly what you want. And that's just temptation. And that's been something that has plagued men since the beginning, men and women since the beginning of time. So I don't look at this man as, you know, like this horrible person. I just feel as if he's struggling with this thing, much like a lot of people are struggling. Uh, and I would actually add, it kind of plays on the three of them. And I think this is a big part of the whole overall arc is uh, you, you kind of said about him kind of trying to exercise these demons and move away from it. Um, and, and, you know, and what he's dealing with and his traumas and whatnot. But the actual, the reality is in this dynamic and in this situation, part of the reason he is the way he is, is his dad, is Bert. Like Bert is a huge part responsible for Dom being the way he is. So him now trying to kind of like move out of this and Dom being the one, uh, sorry, Bert being the one to kind of try and guide him back on the path is, is you know, is a little bit um, conflicting, right? Because it's, it's he's kind of helped him send him down the path. And in the same vein, um, Albie, on the other hand, has gone the opposite way, right? He's kind of just, he's the nice guy. And, and as we know that the saying is that nice guys finish last. And this episode, he certainly did finish last, um, literally in this episode, as he was finishing right at the end uh, with Lucia, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, you know, he's kind of just, just changed his tune, right? He's kind of like, he realized that being the way he is and like trying to be opposite of his dad didn't get him what he wanted, which was Porsche. So he's at the end, he's like, well, shit, now I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to go with this and see how this feels. Um, so it's kind of that history repeating itself with the three of them. Yeah, and since we're rolling through to Albie, he doesn't know Lucia's a prostitute. He doesn't know no. that, you know, she might be um, desiring some money after the exchange. But actually, my husband said maybe she won't ask him for money because in this episode, she's trying to change her life. Or I don't know if she's trying to change her life, but she at least is feeling some kind of remorse for uh, Mia kind of now prostituting herself out just to get a job at a hotel as a piano player i'm like damn girl like can you shoot a little higher like aim a little higher um but yeah i really feel like a lot of the the times when parents don't talk to their adult children about the things that they've gone through the mistakes that they've made and even their successes normally the children end up facing those same challenges they end up falling in the same pitfalls um, if only the parents were humble enough to talk to their children about what they went through, you know, and I think that's what we're kind of seeing with with Albie. Right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense. I agree. And um, and and to your to your Ishmael thinking that he she isn't going to charge him at the end. I actually also agree that I, I don't think that she is. And I don't think that was the intention. The the thing with by the way, and as you're going to say, Lucia and Ma Mia probably two of my favorite characters. They're so funny. Mia especially is so funny physically and verbally, like everything she does is hilarious. Um, but Lucia, as she said many times throughout this, this series is her dream is to go to Los Angeles is to kind of live that life and be that star. Right. And so her first ambition, her first emote, mo uh, mechanism to do this was to become a prostitute, make the money, whatever she starts with Dom. She makes the money, blah, blah, blah. Um, with Albie, that's another way for her to get to LA. This is a guy from LA who she's now realizing in this episode is, is vulnerable, is a bit weak. 
And um, I mean, we're going to have a whole lot of fun with it with the Dom and Dom and Lucia dynamic when that kind of un unravels. But to me, that's her kind of like, well, shit, this is another way I could get there with this guy. You hit it right on the head because that's what in, you know, in, I guess, street terms, that's what you call a mark. She right. sees an easy target and it's like, oh, to your point, let me find an alternative route. Because mm -hmm. I think in this particular episode, she's having her come to Jesus moment of this is not necessarily a life or a path that I want to continuously explore. And she's seeing the dangers of it through Mia, which in the beginning of the season, Mia was the one that had trepidation around even exploring prostitution. So it's just really cool to kind of see that dynamic shift between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to take a step back and explore Avi a little bit further. He is very inexperienced in dating in general. And we're seeing that kind of unfold right before our eyes. You said it earlier, just how he's attempting to be the polar opposite of his father and his grandfather. And Jen touched on it. Like when our parents don't share about their pitfalls and those generational curses, it'll come on to the next generation unknowingly to the now recipient of that trauma. So with Albie, he's kind of taking this, you know, mightier than thou approach to his own pitfall. Because, again, he is so inexperienced. He can't read the room. He just has no sense of awareness in dating. And let's be real. Portia's not really interested in him. Portia is just really at this crossroad in her career. And it's spewing over into her personal life. And we're seeing her. Um, in my opinion, use Aubie as this um, sounding board to get her frustrations out. She's attempting to run away from, you know, her traumas of work and with uh, Tanya. And she thought coming to Italy would kind of put that all to the side. But it's like Salon said it best. Like, you can't drink it away. You can't travel it away. Here you are. Yeah. And the thing I want to add, too, as I was listening to you guys talk about... Um uh not mia what is lucia, lucia. i mean i think we're gonna have an answer to the age-old question which is can you turn a hoe into a housewife i mean <laughs> really i don't can you i have no idea i don't know but i am interested to find out the answer by the end of this season i think we're going to um but um I was on what you were talking about, Ishmael, with with Portia. Yeah, she's you know she's at, she is at a crossroads, and as mentioned, she kind of she came to Italy for like a bit of a uh, like an influx of life, like a bit of energy. She needed something like, and because all angles of her life, we don't know too much about her family and personal life, but the suggestion is you know it's not great, um, or at least it kind of feels like that just with her general tone. Then obviously her work is also terrible, um, and it's not really like a. A, a, a career ladder she's going to be climbing with with uh, Jennifer with Tanya um so she she just she's looking for excitement she's looking for something to say to her which I imagine like most of us at that age by the way you're like you know most people like what am I going to do with my life like what what's going to give me the joy what am I going to how am I going to make my money how am I going to get through this and she I think she just doesn't really know it yet and she's kind of looking for that guidance um, but also the excitement of life, because the reality of life is it's not that exciting. You finish college and it's like, well, shit, well, now we've got to pay bills. We've got to pay rent. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. Um, you know, the responsibilities just pile up massively very, very quickly. 
Um, so it's a hard transition. And, and I imagine it's a much harder transition for kids these days than it was when we were around that age, you know, kind of, you know, early 20s, kind of, it's just so much more complicated. Um, anyway, so she's, she's kind of, she's desperate. And uh, Albie, like th their relationship when it blossomed, it wasn't like a, a fiery thing. It was a very slow burn, even at the start. Like she was just like kind of just talking to the guy as a friend. He was just nice and friendly and whatever. And then it kind of, he was the only one there. So it was like, okay, great. I'll go with him. And then obviously, you know, last episode, the, you know, the other guy came in and this episode, he really got involved. Um, and it just, uh, she's just, that's the excitement she's been looking for. It's exactly what she's been looking for. Um, so now that we're at the Porsche part, um, David, the guy that she's interested in, he said he's from Essex. Now to me, that sounds like a very sketchy part, just based on like how he talks. He says in it, even though I know in it means, isn't it? But I'm like, I, I, you, mm -mm. I know his uncle, is it his uncle? That's rich. Yeah. That's his uncle, right? His uncle's rich, but he seemed like he's from some kind of flea bottomy type of area you know what i mean so like can you fill us in on what essex is like i could be completely wrong but. i'm gonna give you the the best understanding of what essex is to an american essex is the jersey shore of england <laughs> oh my god that is perfect oh gross so <laughs> gross even worse than what i thought it fits him though now that you've given that analogy it totally fits his whole mantra mm -hmm. the whole bad boy tattoos and like yeah let me change your life yeah ew <laughs> that's funny uh yeah he's uh he's uh a, a real essex boy um uh yeah you know they like to go out clubbing they put their their, their t fake tan on and and they have that very distinctive accent um in, in essex there's there's actually one of the more famous kind of location-based shows in uk reality shows was the only way is essex um if you really want to see what it which is hilarious um and you know there's kind of the spectrum of like posh to to not so posh uh you know people in essex and and all of them are sound very much the same some have just got money more money than the others um but they are they're, they're characters and he's a character and i think he's he's a perfect it, it, I say what his to me as an English person listening to him and him being in that position to her he seems exotic and to me that's so <laughs> yeah. funny that's yeah. so so funny that he would seem exotic to her because it's just like nah nah that's not nah he's not exotic <laughs> you're like no that's not it at all that's no, so no. funny I never thought of that like how he's he's exotic to her um yeah and then clearly we know what he is I mean, he's kind of made it clear. He tells her about his travels, what he's done there. Um, the unwanted advances of gay men when he goes with his uncle, but he's cool with it. You know, like he's a he's a party guy. He jumps from city to city and that's what he's about. So we can judge him face value because he told us what he is. And I guess Portia, that's what she wants. I mean, she doesn't seem like she wants anything long-term right now. She hasn't said that. She just wants to have a better time than just assisting Tanya, you know, and this guy, the Essex guy fits that bill, you know, and I, as I was telling, um, see, I can't call him Ishma because it's just not natural. So I have to say boo. So as I was telling boo, um, <laughs> as I was telling boo, I feel like uh, 
Albie is going to, I told you this last time, but I feel like instead of Albie killing, I forget who I said last week, but I feel like he's going to like find out Lucia is, is a prostitute, was a prostitute, and then like throw over a cliff or something. But I definitely think he has crazy eyes. He has the type of like greenness of a man that it can like be extreme to like if he he's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do about this thing. And maybe I am my dad. Oh, my God. And then he kills somebody. Like, I feel like he kind of gives me like that vibe. Um, but anyway, back to Essex, that guy and Portia, they're, you know, clearly there for sex and partying and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think I think several of them are. But uh, on that, just a quick note with Dom and Albie quickly. So I think from the beginning, I'd said that Dom was probably my favorite to, to go, like to be the body in the water, potentially. Um, and what you're kind of suggesting is is what I was thinking as well, is that as we see this relationship develop with Lucia, you know, I don't think she's going to tell him she's a prostitute. She's going to play the game. She's going to try and build that. And obviously they're going to be hanging out with Dom and all that's going to be hilariously awkward and brilliant just because that show always is. Um, and maybe it's going to get to the point very quickly, Albie, as naive as he is and how desperate he is, falls in love with Lucia. It's just like, oh my God, this woman's a dream. She's beautiful. She's exciting. She's whatever. This is incredible. And then oh at the God. end, when it all builds to a crescendo, you have Dom kind of already, um, being uh, revealed that actually she's a prostitute and he was like sleeping with her and blah, blah, blah. And then anger, anger, anger. Albie, like finally his last straw with his dad and suddenly Dom's over a cliff. Ooh, so you think Albie's going to do it to his father or Lucia? Uh, his father, potentially. I, I think Dom, to me, Dom's from Ooh. the beginning has always seemed like the, the, the biggest loser at the resort. And to me, that's a big like that that's the one that should that it will probably go i, I don't you i'm sure you i don't I know if you listen to previous ones, but, but i often go with like the logic of writing and storytelling and whatnot and how they're setting up characters to try and as much as what i'm seeing just to kind of work out who i think is going to go and dom from the beginning to me just seemed like that guy i hear that and that makes sense but then also in my notes i did write down when valentina was talking to mia and she said all whores are punished in the end. And as we know, they normally are. And I think of horror movies, right? For example, Jason always comes to like put the hatchet in the woman who has her breasts and booty out while she is, you know, <laughs> riding some man, you know? So in all of these different cases, well, it's true. I mean, I'm not saying she particularly is a whore, but that kind of anything sex adjacent outside of marriage, whore stereotype, right? Um, so I think... If Dom is going to be one of the bodies, I feel like Lucia is too. I don't think she's going to be a winner here. I think she is definitely marked. Hmm. See, I'm going with Mia if I had to choose out of the two of them. And in that, Lucia still loses because she's the one who turned Mia on to that lifestyle. So it's like you get a two for one there. Just deliver this. When, when mm -hmm. Mia crumbles, um, I, I mean, I, I don't uh, uh, disagree with that necessarily on that theory. Like Mia, Mia's like uh, a firefly. You know, she, suddenly she's she's really glowing for the first time at, in this moment, but the light will dissipate quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, else yeah, well, I mean, that, that's a whole. Yeah, it's, it's, with without, I mean, Albie, Bert, and Dom. There's there's so much. Um, and Bert. The one thing I'll say about Bert this episode in particular, what I'm realizing about him, is he's just loving life, man. That dude is like, I'm at the end of it. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take the piss out of everyone. I'm gonna wind people up. I'm just gonna enjoy myself in any way I can. And I really rate it. Like I love Bert for it. He just doesn't care. And even with Dom, he just like the snide little like remarks and like he's just really just pulling the levers. And I love it. I really like it. And I know you both have noticed he keeps referencing Lucia and Mia as the girls who came out of Dom's room. Yeah. Like that's been a reoccurring line and it's hilarious every time. <laughs> but what I thought was great about Bert at dinner was, you know, he really gave a lot of, he imparted wisdom upon Dom in reference to this stage of life he's in as, you know, a widow and, you know, the father figure who has made a mistake, but kept the family together. He was like, you know, I haven't seen a naked woman in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think that even goes to demonstrate his faithfulness in air quotes to his late wife. And to your point, David, it's another dig at Dom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, that's a good example of one of those moments where I just feel like he's having such a good time as well. He's just most other people, you see two people coming out of your room. One of them's half naked. You're like, you're straight down to the hotel manager. What's going on? There's people in my room, but he's like, he just, couldn't give a shit about that. He's like, this is great. This is like the best thing that's happened to me on this holiday at this point. And maybe the last year, I don't know, who knows? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on those guys? Okay. More may come up, more may come up. Um, Cause I think uh, it's kind of most at the beginning, like this, so many, so it's intertwining now, you know, even with like Lucia with Cameron and Ethan and all that's that, which we'll, we can maybe move on to next, but it's really, it's, it's all brewing. Definitely. I have a hot take that I want to move on to if y'all are okay with it. So since we talked about Bert, my favorite character, and again, he's just of an old time. Okay, listen, he want to flirt. That's all he want to do. And he knows, like he said, he's not going to see a naked woman. So the closest he's going to get is just telling somebody how pretty they are and whether they can be the tour guide in Sicily. Okay, like that's it. Um, So you know who I think is a sexual harasser? Valentina. That's who I think is. So in this episode, I, I didn't initially think it with uh, the Milanese girl, but Valentina buys her something, right? And then she's like hella pressed for, yeah, she was panting. Boo mentioned she was panting. And I was like, oh my God, she is like a dog, like in heat, you know? And so she bought the Milanese girl uh, a brooch and was so pressed for her to put it on now. And I'm like, what? You know, like it was it was strange. And I thought it was inappropriate, Uh, not only because it was a a work kind of thing, you know, where she was presenting this. But I I didn't like how pressed she was with the Milanese girl. And um, I I wasn't sure at first if it was romantic. I guess I'm still not sure. Um, It's some kind of harassment going on. That's what that's what I think in that moment. That's my hot take. Maybe it's not so hot for y'all. It's it's definitely romantic. I mean, she is hot for her. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, and I mean, we again we've we've kind of had the red herring in the last few episodes of the two like the Millie's girl and and the other guy Rocco, I think his name is, flirting in the background and her kind of telling them off and and but not telling her off. Always telling Rocco off every time. So she's really just paying attention to her. So she's always had her eye on her, and she gets the jealous and now. She kind of, with her complimenting her, it's kind of given her that 
trigger that kind of a little bit more confidence to kind of begin a bit more flirting with her and kind of break down those barriers. What she also did with the Milanese uh, girl was she tried to get her to say that Rocco was making her feel uncomfortable in the workplace. She led that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was so nasty just in reference to think about how often that happens in our lives. Mm-hmm. in work environments and you know a man doesn't have a protection against something that somebody has concocted on their own so that hit a personal spot for me and i was just like yeah mm-hmm. valentina on some bullshit yeah yeah she, i mean she's 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 had a she's had a good subtle journey she's like been the real like the real underlayer like the con- constant constant through the series not really like that prominent player but i feel like again obviously hers is building like everyone else but i think we've only got two episodes left there's a lot for her to do in that short space of time Get mm-hmm. what she wants, or to try yeah. and get what she wants. Yeah, which I don't true. think I don't think she's going to get it. She's going to be absolutely rejected by that woman. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, it seems like it. It seems mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. All right. Um. What next? Let's go to oh boy that had a heart attack. I don't know what the hell um Mia gave him. Clearly, it wasn't Viagra. Uh. Did they talk about what else was in Lucia's bag or no? Yeah, I, th- I think it was MDMA, right? Which is what they did last time. I, I don't know if it was that or not, but that was what I would what assume is that? it would be. It's, it's ecstasy. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that gave people heart attacks. I thought it just... Well, it's, yeah. It's, it has a lot to do with his age and his current heart condition. That's not just much like any, you know, over-the-counter or prescribed medication. It comes with, you know these rules that you shouldn't, you know, give people certain medications, ecstasy is no different. He shouldn't be taking ecstasy. And I don't know if he had a heart attack per se. I just feel like he panicked at the thought of, (laughs) man, Viagra is making me feel a way that is not supposed to make me feel. Much like taking an edible. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what is happening to me? And you start to panic. That's what I think happened to him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. M- MDMA, um, his, his heart would have been racing. He's kind of like, he'd been sweating. He'd have been like bubbling, like his whole, his whole body would have been like feeling like it's like a, just bubbling over and, and in, in a nice way. But if you don't know what that is and you're kind of, Oh shit, what's happening to me, it would be terrifying. And then it kind of creates that panic and he's like shallow of breathing and whatnot. So I'm sure, I think he's probably going to be fine. I can't imagine he's going to die. I've always, we probably would have seen it happen already. Um, but he's going to be sick enough that Mia is going to take over the piano and singing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And she's a good singer. Was- That's what she does do well. And it's so funny that she tried to have, well, not tried. She did have sex. She did have sex, right? Now I can't even remember. She was right. doing something. They made contact. That's what I know. And <laughs> maybe they didn't finish. I don't remember. But um, she was thinking, oh, yeah, let me have sex with this man so he could give me his contacts and I could be like the new piano player at this hotel. Like, how low vibration was that? But then it worked. It worked in her favor, which is good. You know, the scene with them having sex in the church, like I wasn't mad at it because the Lord ain't there anyway. You know, it's just a whole bunch of images and stuff. Okay, so it didn't matter to me. So I wasn't mad about it. You know how I feel about the Lord, okay? That ain't got nothing to do with God. He don't live there. <laughs> he do not live there. That's all I got to say. Um, so, it's funny. When when that was, scene was going on, I did think about you. I was wondering I how you would be taking this, this scene in. <laughs> no, I was totally fine with it. I was like, 
Um, yeah, but it, 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 um, it really adds to what I said earlier about Mia being just so funny. Like she's just so chaotic and animated and uh, she just like you just really at this point, it's like, what is she going to do next? I have no idea. <laughs> correct. Correct. You know? this is, like, it, it almost reminds you of the little cousin that followed you around everywhere and they would try to do anything to kind of keep up with the, hey, I'm just happy to be with my big cousin. So they would just do things that were off the wall and you'd be like, wait a minute, you should probably take it down a few notches. That's what Mia is. She has taken this prostitution thing to new heights. <laughs> and let's let's be real, she ain't done yet. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's you don't think so? The end game was the piano playing at no, the hotel. No, she's not done. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no way she's done. There's there's gonna be some more combat. <laughs> I mean, I think even with um uh Cameron that whole situation as we is obviously going to unravel over the next couple of episodes and and she's going to be part of that as well I think we saw in the trailer of, uh, of Harper or was it Harper or Daphne seeing uh Cameron with you know arguing Lucia in the hotel for next that's that right. will, next couple of episodes we don't know if it's next episode but it probably is that's right yeah yeah um, but yeah, Mia, uh, and, and hopefully the piano player is all right, although he is super sleazy. Um, but, but Mia, look, she got what she wanted. I like that. Good for her. She did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it was a hilarious, one of my favorite scenes was that, that was so funny. Like her running around the hotel, trying to find Viagra and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It was real slapstick yeah. fun. It was. And her clearly saying it in Italian and, uh, what is his name? Albie had no idea what she was saying. That kind of stuff is funny to me. Um, yeah. You know, it's like you're saying something crazy in another language. <laughs> right yeah. in front of somebody who has no idea. Um, but yeah. yeah, cool. Anything else on her, you guys? And him? No, I don't who think do you so want to move me, on to, Nick? For now. What about Cameron and Ethan? Let's do it. The weirdos. <laughs> Go on, you go. They are so strange. Um, I'll what start, is like. William Sharp's character's name again? Ethan. Ethan. Ethan is still my least favorite because he has no no spine at all. Um, I think he's, he should have told Harper. Huh? Yeah, uh, he's a plank of wood. I think that's what he is. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. He just should have told Harper what happened. I mean, because then now she found, you know, a condom wrapper and she's thinking it's her husband. You know, just tell her. Just tell her what happened. You got too drunk, fine, and you told her that. But just tell her, you know, what Cameron did. She Harper came back to the room, said, yeah, it's all a farce. Like, Cameron is cheating. That was his open to be like, yeah, like, he <laughs> cheated on her. You know what I mean? Like, they were doing this, this, this. You know what I mean? But he chose not to. And I'm just curious as to why. Why not share that? Your wife just told you exactly what Daphne revealed to her. Y'all don't owe them anything. These are not your real friends. And even if you do, as... You know, married couples do. We pillow talk. I mean, give me a break. If you tell us something, more than likely we're going to share it with each other, you know? Um, so with Ethan as well, I'm just like, yeah, just the spine thing bothers me. Cameron, um, 
you know, well, let me, I let me just, let's jump oh, into yeah, Ethan first, shall we? Yeah, let's, let's jump into that um, before we jump into the camera. But because Ethan, um, I, I, yeah, of course, he should have told her that like, he was really given the perfect open. But the, the thing with him is it's been from the beginning. And it's the reason that on this holiday is he has this need to uh, to show up for Cameron, right? To, to show Cameron he's like on, on the up and up and he's like a cool guy and he can do his thing. And the scenes kind of prior to Harper coming back, obviously, are Cameron coming into the room with Ethan, by the way, just walking through the door, not even like knocking or anything, just coming through the side door, getting on the bed and then going into like this graphic, I want to be inside you. I want to do, you know, like he's just really graphically talking about being sexual with Ethan. And then he's like, but also bro code, you can't say anything. So uh, that, that's what I think in theory would have stopped Ethan um, kind of saying anything. And But combine that also with his, mega 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 hangover from drinking and doing drugs all night and you know you do mdma and stuff like that by the way it's you, you, the come down of that stuff is not fun for people and he would be super depressed so the energy level to be able to have that kind of conversation he's going to want to avoid that at any cost possible and deal with it at, when his brain's a bit more rested a bit more clear that's an excellent point another one i would like to offer here ethan has slowly been seeing that Cameron is not the guy that he thought he was. And the other side of that is, would be to admit it to his wife that she was right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nice. That could be a struggle for him, mm. you know, you know, male pride, oh, and, wow. you know, especially when it's someone that you have revered and mm -hmm. to your point, David, that you want to continuously look cool to or have that respect from him for his wife to actually see through that veil he was he's been trying to defend it their whole trip mm -hmm. and for him to like actually peel back those layers and be like damn my wife is right he's struggling with that in turn like that's very hard for him to come to terms with and mm -hmm. you know to your point with the hangover the drugs he's not really too certain um what's wrong with harper at this stage but let's be real harper has been very um non-fun this trip so he partially is like oh this is you know her being her but he's right. noticing like how she's kind of being a bit more removed than normal so he can't even address it because he's coming off of that high but he knows something is coming Right. Um, and, and with uh, to add to that with her, um, she the the most energy we've seen from her the whole series is her bitching about Daphne. You know, and, and kind of and again, like saying again, to your point, you know, I was right. Basically, these two are terrible. They cheat on each other. They're just a scum. And, you know, that pride there was like, oh, shit, like, she's already going down that road. If I give her this, she's like, she's that's it. She's got all she's got carte blanche for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and I think Ethan fears, like with admitting that she was right, is, you know, kind of the sense of he'll have to probably sever that relationship with Cameron. And that mm. could be very challenging for him, again, because he's been trying for so long to kind of get this respect of this man. And, you know, if he admits that his wife was right, she'll have that expectation that he will remove himself from that. And whether or not that Ethan is able to delineate that, you know, Cameron is a piece of shit, he may not be at peace with just ultimately severing that relationship. 
Like that can be, you know, something that he's mourning in his mind. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what, it's like a, a 15 year relationship, probably from college yeah. through to, yeah. to adulthood, you know, it's, it's majority of his adult life. That's good. Have you guys ever had to cut off anybody because they were doing too much? Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is good. That is good. Ooh, that is a lot to think about. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, my it's thing also is, like... Oh, it's on. like, why... Hmm, for him to be more concerned about that relationship with Cameron than his wife makes me dislike him even more. You know? Because I'm like, this is your wife. Like, this is your ride or die right here. Okay? Like, what? Like, if you know Cameron is up to no good you've seen it for yourself firsthand it's even caused you to compromise your own morals with the kissing situation why wouldn't you want to be better for your wife why do you want to be better for this man what is that about so while you touch on you know david these sexual innuendos that cameron has been giving to um ethan i'm wondering if ethan has those kind of feelings toward him or maybe it's not that with him maybe it's just like uh again like i just want to impress him i want to be next to him i want to smell his his bath water kind of thing you know yeah um i actually um i think in the end with that maybe this, this is how i think it play out with the two of them or whether we see it or not is that ethan that ethan is is straight and uh you know and, and he doesn't have that attraction to him it's just that ego thing that pride thing with him, whereas I think Cameron is is um, either either bi or gay, and and just kind of the lifestyle. A lot of that is just trying to avoid the reality for him. He's kind of dealing with that, and and maybe at the end of this, when Ethan finally explodes and he's like, "Look, man, I'm done with you. You're just you're a terrible person." Cameron might break down and be like, "But I love you. I've always loved you," and you know, just some crazy shit like that. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, man? I'm just going for the fun. Who knows? White Lotus. Wow. That would be something. That would be something. And then I'm not even sure whether Ethan would like be like, nah, man, I'm not into that. He might like literally become that. I mean, <laughs> the way this is going with Ethan, I mean, my God, he's like, I'm straight, but maybe I can try this out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Ethan would do all that. Let's give the man some credit. I And I want to address something you said, boo, in reference to him caring more about being accepted by this man and his wife that's not what I was attempting to articulate. It's more so of he wants to do it on his terms mm. versus um, okay. my wife telling me about some man that she has no rapport with and I have 15 years with. So he has to come to terms and do it and like sever that on his own by her using her gift of discernment and seeing through that veil that's not something he's ready to accept as of yet. But again, we've been seeing slowly but surely that he's internally like, yeah, my wife is right. But again, he has to do it on his own. Got it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I, I get the feeling. And again, this is kind of based on the trailers a little bit um, that the, when he finds the condom the next morning, he's just going to kind of ignore it. Um, or just just deny that it's anything to do with anything that's you know he's been involved in um, primarily. Um, 
yeah, we'll see. I mean, it may, you know, yeah, and it will, will just kind of add to the distrust of Harper um, and also her sleuthing, right? Her kind of investigation. Um, I mean, she's getting all the pieces and she's actually, um, to her credit, she is, she's being very calm and calculated about it. She's not rushing. She's not letting her emotions get the better of her. She's being very, she's looking for clues. She's kind of prying and, and being vague and just trying to see what he, how he, he might slip up or what he might let loose. Um, and, and, you know, with him not giving anything up, I suspect she's going to really move on to Cameron and uh, very soon um, and, and kind of really just start nipping away at Cameron in that way. But also, um, at the same time, is Cameron now going to kind of try and win her on his side and really just try and lay into Harper a bit more, um, you know, romantically, um, whether genuine or not? Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, my initial reaction to Harper not saying anything was, girl, why don't you say something? You know, like, immediately. Like, because I'm the type of person, I need to know answers, okay? If I find something like a condom in my room with my husband, I need to know now. So I'm not sure whether I admire what she's doing. I have more information than she does as a viewer. So from, as a viewer, I can see how, you know, a viewer can be like, oh yeah, she's taking her time to find more clues. But then again, that's the benefit of me knowing more, you know? So I'm interested to know why she's not more emotional in um, finding the condom and wanting the answer to it, like immediately. And so I think even in waiting, um, that could open the door as my boo said, actually, this was what he said. And let me know if I'm incorrect in this. I think he said he thinks Cameron might try and like make a move or Harper might try and make a move on Cameron or something like that. You said, right? Yeah, because she doesn't know. And so maybe, I don't know. She's like, maybe, maybe my husband cheated on me or whatever. I'm going to see what was going on with, you know, what Cameron showed me the other day in them shorts you know so i don't know yeah i i i uh, i agree i think that could very well be the way it goes whether and, and there's two ways of harper i think one is that she's just like okay yeah you know screw this he's lying to me he's cheated on me i'm gonna do it with his best friend who by the way i hate as well it's gonna be a bit of a hate fuck um on the other hand she also might again try and be a bit crafty and try and seduce i'm doing air quotes if you seduce cameron to like just to prove that he's disingenuous and you know kind of un, 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 reveal his true identity to ethan but actually it'll kind of all come back around on her and and you know blah 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 and it's going to be again her i told you so is this who you want to be like is this who you want to be around this is exactly mm -hmm. who he is and who i've been telling you who he is so yeah i can see that too yeah she she just wants to be right big time mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point and I think, too, that's also her way of getting at Daphne as well. Daphne really tried to be vulnerable with her and extend mm -hmm. an olive branch of some type of rapport. I won't say friendship, but rapport. Uh, by opening up in reference to how some of her women friendships have failed and or struggled, but also, hey, yeah, Cameron has cheated on me, like, God, I don't know how else to say this lady is attempting to um, establish some type of relationship with you. 
but Harper, to your point, she just wants to be right by all means necessary that she can't even see it and she's blinded by that. So I think that'd be her way of kind of scorching and burning Daphne as well. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, but Daphne, one, one funny thing she did, did say in that conversation you referenced at one point, she, she's at the end of it, she's like, you know, oh God, I, you know, I don't normally share this kind of stuff with, with people, but it's like, but it's okay. You don't know anyone anyway. <laughs> it's such a dig. <laughs> yeah. It's so right. cold. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. She she's cutting. Yeah. That's rude and yeah. fear though for her, for her to say mm. that. So. Uh, yeah, of course it is. You know, anyone else overhearing what their what the reality is of their relationship mm -hmm. and her their dead lives. Um yeah, I, I think um to your point, Ishmael, to add on to that, with Daphne, she's lonely. That that's what I'm getting with her this whole series. Is she's really lonely. She's lonely mm. in her relationship with Cameron. And she clearly doesn't have any female friends or many of them. As she yeah. kind of just let us know this time. Um, just so she has this wonderful lifestyle, um, but really she's not happy with it. You know, it's, it's that classic, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like it's just it's really, there's a lot more to it with her and, and you know, they, what they have three kids. So I, we don't really know the dynamic with that, but um, she doesn't seem very happy and she seems very, very lonely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which is which is a shame because, yeah, I mean, Cameron, as we kind of know, like on the surface in public and, you know, he's that he seems like the good guy to her and he's supportive and caring. But even when he's in bed at the end with her and they're cuddling up and, you know, he's just spent the night cheating with two women and doing loads of drugs and whatever. And he's like, look, don't do that to me again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, well, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah, he's a terrible person anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a wonderful foursome as well, actually. Like they've, they've again, credit to Black White as always, but he just, he's just really, he's done a really good job of building the groups this year, the four of them, the three of the guys, and then like the single characters. And then obviously we're going to get onto, uh, Tanya and those, those folks Yay. very, very soon. Um, we can jump into them now if there's no more to say about, um, about Cameron and Ethan and Harper and Daphne for now. Let's do it. Let's move on. Um, all right. Well, Tanya, um, in this episode, as we know, uh, furthers her conversation with the the rich gentleman from England. Um, it suggested he's gay, um, but I'm still, I don't know if he actually is gay or if that's just kind of assumed by then. And maybe that's going to, you know, evolve in the next couple of episodes as well in the, the party sex mansion or whatever it might be. Um, who knows? Um, but I, I just, I love seeing Tanya um, just so joyful and enjoying herself so much and relaxing and just kind of really getting that this feels like what she wants to get from a white Lotus vacation, mm -hmm. but just because, because she's always in her own space and she's only, she doesn't have friends. She, you know, even Greg, like their relationship as we know is fractured. So her having this opportunity to really have some life and enjoyment and get drunk with people and laugh and, and meet new people and just let the inhibitions go she doesn't seem to have done that that much. And so this was nice, nice freeing episode for Tanya. I felt like. I agree. It was so nice to see her in this element. Cause it seemed like, like you said, the environment that she would thrive in because she doesn't really have permanent relationships, you know? So I could totally see her kind of flowing in and out of environments like this, you know, going on a really like expensive sort of like, cool vacation like this and having 
you know, these experiences for a week or two and then going back home and then doing it again, maybe like two months later, you know? So it was so nice to see an environment where she was successful and people wanted her there and she wanted to be there. And Tom Hollander's character too, like I, I'm not sure if he's gay. I didn't suggest it. His friends are gay. Um, You don't think he is gay. So this is the only thing though is, um, ugh. it's hard to say this and I'm trying to find um, the right words. Let me just tell you what my experience has been. Okay. Let me just stick with my experience. Um, when I was working at HBO, there were several, um, you know, proclaimed gay guys who would gravitate toward me. And one of them even told me, you know, I like you so much because you're such a pretty woman. I like being around pretty women. And so I think a conversation is validly necessary to have about the relationship between gay men and what they consider to be pretty women. Because even Tom Hollander said to her, you know, as he was walking past her and Portia, he was like, "What a this is how you dress. What a glamorous woman. Everybody looks like they're dressing like they're going to a funeral. So I think culturally that is a thing, you know, um, for the most part between gay men and what they consider to be pretty glamorous women. And I think it's only natural that men and women want to be around each other. Like no matter if you are sexually into the same sex, there is something about that male female dynamic you know, that is um, powerful, that is radiating, you know, and I think these gentlemen uh, give validation to that. Yeah, we don't want to have sex with you, but we do understand like the the female um, power, you know, the female presence and we want to be around it and you do it so well, you know. Um, so I, I enjoyed that because it brought me back to my HBO days. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like the writer. Oh, go ahead, David. No, no, please, you go. Please. I was going to say, I feel like the writers owed us this episode of Tanya living her best life. She's kind of been getting punched on by Greg and, you know, internalizing what Greg is doing to her and projecting it onto Portia. So it's like as a viewer, and this is, I haven't seen season one. So as a viewer, it's like, oh man, she's just, you know, not a very good character at all. So to kind of see her in this light, I was introduced to a new side of her. And I just felt as if she just wanted to be seen and heard. And that's what, you know, those characters did for her in that environment. They desired her company. They desired to show her new experiences and their way of living. And, you know, if we think about the considerations of Greg, what do we know about Greg? Greg ain't got no money. So for her to be able to hang with people in her particular weight class, and when you're a person with money, I feel like you are the hardest person to impress per se, because you have the resources to do all kinds of things. And these gentlemen were able to impress her with new experiences. So that's what I really took from it. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that we, we're talking about here, which is an assumption, is that he is wealthy. And I, I think there's this potential here that, that she's a mark and he's a con man. And, mm. and this is actually 
right? So, so we've kind of, we've been set up with Greg potentially being dishonest, right? Obviously, no, whatever. We don't really know what's going on with him yet. I'm sure we're going to find out before the end of the season. Um, but, but it's kind of maybe that's distracting us from the potential of this guy actually being a con man. And he's really the one kind of trying to take a bit of money off her. That's good. Didn't think of that. That is good. That is good. His nephew did say he he's always inviting these older, rich women, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. 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 Ooh, that's good, David. Possibly. That is good. That is good. Yeah. This, this, he, he knows what he's doing, right? From the moment he saw her, he, yeah. was, he, was, he was that, she's the one. You know, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. it was, whatever, whatever it was, it was attraction or not. Like, she just, she was the one. Got it. Oh, that's, that's good. what it felt like to me. And Tom we'll Hollander and, it so well. I love seeing him on on screen. What part? Do you know what part of England he's from? Uh, I don't. I think I don't know. Um, London. It feels like his acting. But the one thing I was on that note actually though is, I, I don't think it's an accident that Tom Hollander has the, the posh accent he does, and his nephew right. has an Essex accent. Right. Right. You got to think like his right. his nephew is like he. The way he is, he's grown up in Essex, right? Which suggests that his parents live in Essex and that's where they grew up, which could mean that that's also where Tom Holland's character's from. So is his accent genuine, right? Is that something yeah. that he's evolved and changed over oh, time? And you know what I mean? That con man element to it. So I don't know he, he's fishy to me. I, I, I don't trust him as far as I could throw him at all. Interesting. Oh, that's good, David. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. But one one thing I actually want to quickly touch on because you said it during when you were speaking, Ishmael. Um, you haven't seen season one. No. So Jen actually introduced me um, right before the start of this season, and she was just really excited. She was like, "Hey, you should really watch this. Let's watch the episode together." The way I watch shows, I have to start at the very beginning. She was like, "No, it'll be fine. There's no continuity. You'll be okay." So you know. Mm-hmm. Being a good husband, I followed and followed her instructions, and I started with season two. Love it. Well, uh, do you think you'll go back and watch season one after this now? Oh yes, absolutely. I love the show. This is great. I love the cinematography too, just in reference mm-hmm. to how they take the waves and that kind of mm-hmm. foreshadows mm-hmm. the tension mm-hmm. and the mood. So I love that. Yeah, the, the two pieces are, are the waves and the rocks, and then the the heads, right? The heads, like the heads coming off, right? That, that's like. The two, the two constant motifs throughout the whole thing. Um, but, but on the note of the cinematography, um, I agree it's great. Um, but the production design is actually what stuck out to me more this season. Um, and it's just been elevated so much from last season. And in particular, it's this whole theme of this, the, you know, the tapestries and the music, you know, all the images, all the paintings and all of this stuff. It's just really added uh, an amazing texture to the story. And it kind of just is kind of subtext to everything going on and really just kind of making it a bit more biblical, a bit, bit like like it's it's adding another level of intensity to everything, which, again, which Mike White is the he's a real master at doing it, adding tension, adding awkwardness, all the things that make anything more stressful and strenuous. Like he's really doing such a great job of it. I agree. I have a question for you, Boo. Watching this, does it make you miss Italy? yes and i know where this is leading can we go again um (laughs) yes absolutely we're definitely gonna go again um absolutely love it but i think you and i have kind of identified areas where it's like "Mm, 
Mm-hmm. I don't see any croissants. I don't see any, you know, Capricorn Cafe. Like there's just some pieces that are missing, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, some FOMO. We miss it. Yeah, they need to put those. They need to put those SFs in there. The S Bigler is hella though. <laughs> in there, and Limoncello. Limoncello should be down there. Agrafe should be down there. People eating fruit and stuff. What the hell is this? Give us some pastries, okay? We know they're eating pastries and coffee down there. Jeez, well, there man. was actually a shot in this episode where someone took like four or five pastries. I don't know if you saw that yeah. when they were in the breakfast cut. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. that at all. Yeah, they had a big mixture of stuff. Um, all right, who, who are we forgetting? I feel like there's some characters here we're not talking about. Just Tanya's husband, if we want to talk, but that's it. Well, yeah, he's been absent now, isn't he? I, I guess yeah. we'll probably see him. You know, may, maybe in the finale, maybe not next episode. We'll see. Um, yeah, Cameron, but. Giuseppe's we got down. everybody. Yeah, we got everyone. All right. So, what about? Um, yeah, look, I mean, just go back to earlier when at the beginning of the episode, when Ishmael was kind of saying that it's this is like the episode where it all just kind of comes together and the pot's like really just now it's boiling over and it's that exciting moment in the series. And I think we have two episodes, hopefully three. I mean, that would be wonderful um, left. But there's a lot to happen, it feels like. There's a lot to unravel in a very short space of time. And I'm very excited to see how he does it. Yeah, I agree. Um, ha, da, da, da. We know who you think is going to die. We know who you think is going to die. Right? Who did I say? Said Dominic and Albie's going to do it. Well, I didn't say who's going to do it. Dominic and Mia. With a candlestick. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do it with? A horseshoe? I, I don't know. I'm going okay. to let my imagination roam. Okay. Um, yeah, and we know who I think, so all right. Well, yeah. let's just 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 let's summarize that. So, okay, so for me, my favorite is Dom, like as in the you know, the main main one to die, and obviously there's several more at least one more person that dies. So I think there's probably another two. Um, and I think there's a good chance Albie kills him, um, just kind of just tip you know, boiling over at the end. Um, but my second I I think my second, I mean, Cameron is up on the list, but the thing with Cameron I struggle with is that it's Daphne that finds the body. And, right. Um, right. And, and so, and she's happy in the morning. She's just sad to be leaving. So right. it kind of just feels like that evening must have been all right. Like they must have slept together in the same bed because she seems super happy and just like nothing's going on. So, um, so I think Dom is really my, my favorite um, still. As from the beginning, he's my favorite to go. Okay. So you guys, and so so Ishmael, you think Dom as well? Yep, I'm on board with Dom. I think it's gonna be Lucia and Mia, and it's gonna be done by Albie with a wrench or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of all the things include. Didn't they have a? They had a candlestick. They had a horseshoe. They had the thing, the little. Th- I don't know what that is. Some with the thumb thing. They had a wrench. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Albie did it with the wrench. You got to do the location too. In the, oh, over the cliff. Yes. But I think actually it's interesting, just quickly on Albie, as I'm thinking about it, pretty much every character on the show has an agenda. Like they, they have 
and the only two that I don't think really have an agenda and are just kind of there just to do the thing is Albie and Bert. Yes. Um, so, so there's that's notable for me. And and so again, if I'm going to go logical, you know, writer storytelling, whatnot, they're the two that seem like the most unlikely candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, again, Albie Albie is really just shining out to me as a an instigator in in some kind of death here. For sure. For sure. All right, let's see. All right, and then, so uh, should we get into an apartment 4E before we finish up? Yes. What do you want to, you want to go first, Jen? Or Ishmael, as a guest, do you want to go first? Oh, got yours. Yeah, I'll go first. Hopefully I do this right. <laughs> I would <laughs> like to leave the ecstasy in apartment 4E. Or irresponsible people who use ecstasy, like Mia. Mm-hmm. She is out here just giving out pills, unknowing what they are. And you know how dangerous that is? You know, in this particular situation, like you said, David, I don't think this gentleman is going to die or anything serious. But just think about how that could have went the polar opposite direction. So people who are irresponsible in that regard, lock them away in for you. (laughs) Right. Jen? It's pretty good. Um, I want to lock up Mia because she's a danger to herself and others. And, um, yeah, that's, I'm putting her in there. All right. I'm I'm good with both of them. Um, for me, it's going to be Ethan's silence, uh, and not telling. Yeah, very good. And, and I'll tell you why, because I've thought about this a little bit more quickly, that his silence, if, if Cameron had, if they'd been drinking and partying and during that time, Cameron said, look, I cheat on Daphne. I'm doing this, whatever, right? You know, this is what I'm doing outside of that time. Um, bro code. That's, that is for me, I under, I would understand that that's, that's the, his business. That's not his, that's not Ethan's business to share with Harper. But because Ethan was involved in it all, he was in it. He was kind of, everything happened. That to me, that's like that is her business, and she has a right that's to know. Right. In right, and so that's the difference there. So to me, that his silence is going to go into part four e because it wasn't justified. And he also allowed that whole situation to transpire in his room where him and his wife sleep. Like, come on, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, yeah. if you're gonna not do cool. that, if you're gonna do not that, cool. go in your room. Because yeah. it's not like it's a long distance. They're literally next door <laughs> to each other. You feel me? So it's just like you out here jeopardizing yeah. my situation because you want to explore, you know, outside of your union. Now, nah, don't put that on me, big fella. <laughs> right. Well, that's an interesting point, actually, because Cameron, Cameron is like, doesn't want to do it in his room. He doesn't want to taint his room, but he's happy to taint Ethan's. Again, it's that power thing, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Because Cam knew he would have left the condom wrapper somewhere. So he was like, oh. Let me just throw this sucker up under the bus. Oh, you think it was deliberate? Absolutely. 100%. 100% deliberate. <laughs> because think about it. He is, you know, experienced in this space. Daphne led that on. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. Let me not mess up this couple situation. Let me go next door because I'm already high. I'm going to forget something. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, yeah he, he knows what he's, he's well, well seasoned. He's well practiced. Yeah. Wow. Mm. okay there you go all right well look hey ishmael thank you so much for joining this has been been really nice to have you on the episode um and next week we're going to have coco my partner on which would also be a lot of fun um Woo-hoo. thank you thank you both I can't, i'm looking forward to next week 
Thank you so much. And thank you again to my boo, who always provides excellent commentary and insightful things to say on everything, <laughs> including this show. So, yeah, thank you again, boo, for coming and uh, doing your thing. Yep, super insightful. Shout out to all my peoples back in Jacksonville. I'm on shooting the ish with a British your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. All right. Thank you both. Until next time. Until next time.